you may have realized that being healthy feels different than it did in the past now that you're over 50. If you want to maximize your health potential but don't have time to read through overwhelming pages of Google links, this is the show for you. Welcome to Healthy Tips After 50. We love doing the research, finding solutions, talking to health experts, and learning what works and what doesn't. Now, your host. She spent the last 25 years dedicated to feeling her best and is here to share her best findings with you, Susan Rosen. Hi, I'm your host, Susan Rosen. Today, we're going to talk about how pain can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. This is one of the more interesting studies I have seen, which is really kind of exciting, especially if you are at all interested in brain science. This study was um, published in Nature Human Behavior. And what they were looking at was to see how expectations, whether they're positive or negative, can actually influence how much pain people feel. And they give, they say, for instance, if you expect an injection will hurt a lot, it's more likely to do so, even if the needle poke is relatively minor. So it turned out that they did a brain imaging study using an MRI and they were looking at, and they confirmed actually, that the expectations of pain intensity can not only, this is quoting from the article, not from the study, but, or paraphrasing, I guess, that they found that people's expectations, word they used was persisted, um, even when the experience didn't match what they had been told it was going to be, which is really interesting. So they found that um, the negative expectations can result in what researchers call the nocebo effect, which is the flip side of the placebo effect both of which can influence the efficacy of a drug or other medical treatment. So this study was done by a group of neuroscientists at the University of Colorado at Boulder. There were 28 people in the study and they ranged in age from 18 to 55. They were taught to associate one visual cue, a symbol or the words low or high, with high painful heat and another one with low heat. So then they were placed in an MRI machine where they could measure the brain activity while the low or high heat that they were testing was repeatedly applied to their forearm or they did it to the leg. And what they did was, before each of the applications of the heat, the people in the MRI were shown 
a low or high Q, and after each they were asked to rate their pain. They didn't know that the cues did not actually predict the intensity of the heat application. The MRI scans that they took when they showed them this, um, this high or low um, heat cue, they, let's see, they, so they were looking at the brain regions involved in fear and threat. And they found that those were more activated. I take it back. They're looking at the whole brain, and they saw that they, the people who saw the high heat cue, that their brain regions involved in fear and threat were more activated. Okay, got that straight finally. When they actually received the heat, they perceived and reported more pain after seeing a high heat cue, regardless of the level of heat they actually received. Very interesting, and most important, this also influenced their perception of subsequent heat applications. And very similarly, the low heat cues led to less perceived pain. So those people's expectations were strongly influenced with how their brains processed the pain and limited their ability to learn from experience. Isn't that interesting? They also were talking about how the mind-body connection is a key to pain and many aspects of health, other aspects of health, um, that when people are ill, there are some negative expectations that can, and I guess sometimes do, interfere with people's recovery by making their perceived pain a lot worse than it actually is. And even after, say, their damaged tissue has actually healed, it may stop them from seeing that they are actually feeling better. So it's so amazing what our brains can do. Um, in particular, they said persistent negative expectations, quote, may facilitate the transition from acute to chronic pain, which is all too common after surgery or injury, unquote, the authors noted. Um, and then this, this little article ends by saying, being aware of negative expectations and the power they can exert, even when evidence contradicts them, may help you revise them, and in doing so, alter your perceived experience in ways to speed recovery. Better yet, err on the side of positive expectations. I think that's a, just a mind-blowing study. Because that is one of those things that we can, what it does is we can then alter our own experience of how we go through certain physical issues and physical injuries or, um, I don't know, illnesses, I guess, surgeries, whatever it could be. Um, 
I was just thinking about how right now I'm still healing. I have another week and a half before I go back to the doctor with my collarbone. And I know that when I went in to see him and he showed me my x-ray and he said to me, this is one of the better kinds of breaks if you have to break your collarbone because it's all held together and it's all in the one area and it will just heal. You don't have to worry. Um, you know, obviously I, I still had to wear the sling and all of that kind of thing, but I didn't have to worry about the normal pain of trying to keep your collarbone straight and worrying about whether it was going to heal straight because with some people it heals and it isn't straight and then they have to go in and break the collarbone again and start over again. And essentially what he was telling me was that I didn't have to worry about that outcome. And so consequently, I have, I think, healed probably a little faster and more easily than I would have if I had had more of the traditional break um, that's you know, closer to the center of your body and not out where the connection is to the shoulder. So, I mean, I can see after looking at that, that article that part of my healing has been my own reaction to what I heard along with the level of pain that I've had. And I don't think I have had nearly the level of pain that a lot of people do have when they break their collarbone and particularly someone of my age. So um, anyways, I just thought I would throw that in because it really is pretty amazing what the brain can do to either um, protect you, well, it always thinks it's protecting you, but to protect you positively or protect you negatively. Um, but so much for that, just my real world experience, let's call it. Okay, so that's it for today's show. Um, as I always like to say, I'm not a doctor. This is not to be construed as medical advice. If you do have an issue, a medical issue, please go and see your doctor and find out what he or she suggests that you do. And in the meantime, you can go listen to my other podcasts. They're on my website, which is healthytipsafter50.com, along with my Facebook page, and on my YouTube channel. Um, and that's, I think, about it. I will look forward to talking to you all next week. This has been Healthy Tips After 50 with Susan Rosen. To stay on the cutting edge of the most effective health strategies, subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you thought of the show with a comment or like on iTunes. Visit healthytipsafter50.com for this episode's show notes, more resources, and free offers.